Hey, everybody. I am Stephanie Goss, and this is another episode of the Uncharted Podcast. This week on the podcast, Andy and I are tackling another topic from the mailbag. We received an email from a newly graduated associate who's been at her practice for a little while and is struggling with feeling like they are really enjoying the work, they enjoy the patients, they're enjoying their clients, they've got a great practice owner and manager, but there seems to be a secret lurking in the shadows in their practice. And it's one that I have seen in plenty of practices. And that is they have a Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde associate lurking in the shadows. That's right. They've got a monster in the closet and they are wondering, how do I deal with this? We've got a tenured associate who seems to be a little bit burnt out and angry. And when they are on and they are nice, they are super lovely to be around. And when they are not, they are explosive and angry and everybody on the team seems terrified of them. And this associate was asking, What do I do? How do I deal with a peer who acts like this? Let's get into this one. And now, the Uncharted Podcast. And we are back. It's me, Dr. Andy Rourke, and Stephanie. I'm friends with the monster gods. (laughs) I like that one. How are you? Uh, Oh, yeah. I'm good. It is, um, it's a little bit early. (laughs) It is a little early. We're making some adjustments. Uh, (laughs) And uh, back to school. Back and to school is happening. Yep. It's um I'm really having to lean into that idea of like do not make permanent <laughs> changes based on temporary emotions. Yes. Because it's uh we're just it's Monday, the second week of school, and I'm like, I don't know that I can keep up I don't know that I can keep doing this. <laughs> and so anyway. That's, it is it is true. It's true. I'm I'm gonna get into it though. I, I can feel like I can feel the like the regiment coming in and I'm like this is going to be good and I'm going to have structured days again and I'm you know I'm going to be hustling but I've got deadlines and this is going to be good right it's not, now it's not going to be a free-for-all <laughs> no no <laughs> you know I uh, I just I adapted to a less hectic life and yeah. now that the kids are going back to school I um, the hecticness is coming back but uh, I'm not I, it's not going to go all the way back. I've decided we're definitely going to resist going back to the craziness before the pandemic. But there's still a certain amount of craziness that is definitely coming back. And there's also some structure where, you know, kids got to get fed, got to get out the door, you know, all those sorts of things. And it just definitely brings some tension and energy to the mornings uh, that that was missing before. So I think ultimately it's going to be good. But right now it's still a transition. Yeah, totally. I uh, was getting the kids ready for bed last night and I looked at my schedule. That's part of my nighttime routine is like, what do do I have on my schedule tomorrow? I looked at my schedule and I realized we were podcasting early West Coast time today and went, okay. I was like, children, you're fend for yourselves tomorrow. (laughs) Set a second alarm. I was like, I'll be started by the time you get up. I was like, you're you're on your own. Go with God. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Oh, parenting. Uh, well, you know, we have a, we have a podcast episode today that <laughs> relates to parenting, I feel like. Yeah. It's, a, it's, it's yeah, man. Grownups uh, are just children who hide it. I yes. swear. I, you know, I always, I always felt when I was managing the clinic, like uh, the team was just 10 to 20 more children that I was managing, just like mine, <laughs> managing schedules. I'm managing... <laughs> You know, who's got to go where, when. 
<laughs> picking up the slack, filling in the cracks. That's uh, that's it is it is definitely there are similarities to to family for sure. And this practice uh, that sent us a letter through the mailbag is definitely sounds like it's got some typical dysfunctional family dynamics happening. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I would say so. You want to go um, ahead and and lay it out? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, we have a, a podcast fan who sent us uh, who sent us a note and said that they are a relatively new grad and they have been working in a clinic for uh, a while since since graduation. They feel like they really enjoy the team. Everybody's really nice. They like the managers. Work seems to be going great and the clients are awesome. However, there is a uh, more tenured associate at the practice who is very good at their job and who the clients love. Um, but <laughs> they they threw in an Andy quote here. To quote Andy, uh, this person is an absolute monster to work with because they are a negative Nancy. And uh, this person has been working in the clinic for quite some time. It seems um, like they are fairly burnt out. They've got uh, challenges going on with the hospital manager. Um, and they just seem very unhappy about life in general. And when they get sucked into that unhappiness, that is when the monster explodes and comes out. <laughs> And yeah. uh, they said, you know, when this person feels like things aren't going their way, the they start yelling, they swear at everybody. The team seems to be afraid of waking up the beast, <laughs> so to speak. Um, and they feel like they're walking on eggshells um, all the time to avoid uh, having to tell this monster associate something that might upset it, him or her. Um, they uh, feel like change and new things in the practice always seem to wake up the beast. And there is lots of very loud, even if it's not yelling, uh, very loud and obvious opinions about what is going on in the practice. And this, uh, the person who sent us this email said, this person is a really nice person. Like when they're not in monster mode, they're great. Uh, very much Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, right? Like they're they're nice. They get along with them. But when that monster comes out, everything is negative. There's complaints about the hospital management, about the, um, you know, the clients, the hospital. And this associate vet was like, look, I the our new grad said, look, I've tried. I have tried changing the subject. I have tried, uh, you know, saying I'm new and my experience might not be the same as yours. I have tried and I'm trying to give them grace because I'm recognizing the signs of burnout. And I recognize that I'm not seeing the best side of them, but I am just exhausted about all of the negativity and I just want to make it stop. And yeah. so they are saying, I don't think that I can sit here and listen to another day of complaints. Please help me. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I, I think I think this is a great one. Mm -hmm. uh, and this person is this person is definitely not alone. So let's I just want to no. go ahead and start. I just want to get into it. Um let's start with headspace. Okay. Uh because that's always where we start. So we're gonna start with headspace. Um I I say this with love. I am concerned right off the bat. Um, we're already in trouble here. Yes. <laughs> and so we're we're in trouble here, and this may sound like a minor thing, but but hear me out. So throughout the throughout the email, you know, we refer to this person as the monster and the monster. Uh, words matter, 
and the fact that we have, think of this person as a monster is that we're we're already set up for failure, right? Because I cannot, I can't work with a monster. Yeah. And when I say monster, I've already dehumanized this person and vilified this person, and I don't get the impression that that this person writing is is uh, is serious about that. You know what I mean? Or right. really thinks of them that way. But words matter, and the stories that we tell ourselves matter. And so when I have someone that I work with, and I go, oh. The, the jerk said this, right. or the monster said that. I have already um, summed up their identity in a negative way, right? So if I didn't say, oh, my coworker's being a jerk, well, that's a temporary state. If mm -hmm. I say my coworker, the jerk, that's a permanent state, you know? And every time I interact with this person, I'm interacting through the lens of this person is a jerk. So when they say something, I'm going to take it in the way it would be meant by a jerk. And so I have already sort of subtly undermined all of my tools going forward. So, so I would say I'm not discounting anything else that a new grad writer says. Um, I would jettison that term from my mind just for my own well-being. And it's not about fairness to that person. That person may be a monster. I don't mm -hmm. know. But it's about me being able to live a happier life and I will be happier if I can see this person as someone who is struggling, as someone who um, is a good person having a hard time, you know, and, and I want to convince myself of that. I want to convince myself that I like this person and they're um, and they're having a really hard time. And if I can do that, it helps me to empathize and sympathize and to be happier myself going to work. I feel better about working with someone who's struggling than I do working with someone who's a jerk or someone who's a monster. It's hard yeah. for me to feel okay about that. I, it's so, <laughs> it's so funny because while I'm sitting here listening to you talk, the light bulb just uh, went on in my head because I have to tell Arnia grad, like you, you are not alone. It's really easy to do this mm -hmm. and get into this headspace. And I, I was 100% there um, in a prior job where I felt like I had someone above me in management who was the monster and the jerk. And it was very, um, it was, you know, you talk a lot about shifting baseline. It didn't happen overnight. It was just that like the little things added up. And over time, I got into that headspace where when I thought about this person, every single, every, as you said, every single thing, even things that probably wouldn't have been so bad when I thought about it in the context of this person is the jerk. Uh, it was very easy to turn it negative. And I will say like, it is very hard to get out of that frame of mind because it just, mm -hmm. it happens so easily and it's very easy to set in and you don't intentionally think that you're being negative. I, you know, feel like I'm a pretty self-aware person and I am generally not negative. <laughs> But if you had asked me for a period of probably about two years about anything having to do with this person, my response, no matter what, even if I had been happy two seconds before, would be negative because yeah. that's the headspace I'm in. And so, you know, you're definitely not alone. It's very easy to get here. And and at the same time, it's going to take intentional work to get out of this place. Yeah. Well, you see it all the time now. It, it, and to some degree, it feels good to write people off. And, it, and, it, and it's a lot more... It's a lot easier mentally sure. if I'm like, if I don't have to try to come up with, why is this person acting this way? Or mm -hmm. how should I interpret this? If I go, oh, she's a terrible human being. Right. 
And <laughs> and the answer is she's a terrible human being. It's a mental shortcut there for me. And the other thing is when they treat me badly, I immediately have a shield because I'm like, oh, well, you're a terrible human being. Right. Uh, yeah. You know, and, and so there are reasons that we do this. I'm just saying, and again, I think we've we've probably all been here, but once we once we make a call like this and paint a person in a negative identity, it becomes exponentially harder for us to work with them. And I just want to restate, this is not about fairness to that person. This is about you being effective in your job. And so if you think that you're managing a crybaby, you work with a jerk or your boss is an a-hole, and that's how you think of these people every time they come into your mind, you have set yourself up to have a harder time than if you just chose not to have those thoughts and looked instead and said, this person is struggling. This person is a perfectionist. This person has problems delegating, but they're still a good person, I think. I think they're just having a hard time. Yeah. Well, and it, it sounds like our new grad did do that Yes. For a period of time. Right. And I think that that's part of it is that it's easy to frame it in that context and feel like, OK, this person is suffering. I recognize the signs of burnout. This person is suffering. So I am going to let things slide. I'm going to um, to let it go. And I think it's I think it's interesting because um, the challenge really comes from what do you do when it's not just a bad week or even a bad month? But mm -hmm. like when this is someone's core personality to be that negative Nancy, how do you deal with that? Yeah. Well, there's there's nuance here too, right? So the first thing I jump on is is the term say, uh, once we're calling this person the monster, we're setting our, we're putting our own head uh, in, a, in a pathway. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Of like, sure. where does this go? Well, there's no redemption for a monster. A monster is a monster. And so it's a subtle thing, but it really is important about how we frame the whole issue. The nuance part is I'm not invalidating what this person is saying in any way, shape or form. Sure. In fact, when you deal with someone like this, it is not something that you should blow off. And I'll tell you this from personal experience. Um, I remember my wife early in her career worked with, uh, so she's a college professor and she was at another job and uh, early on, and she worked closely with someone who was a very negative person. Mm -hmm. And this person was funny. Like she had that sarcastic sense of humor and she was funny, mm -hmm. but it was always negative. And yeah. it was always a joke about how bad things were or how bad other people were or things like that. And over the course of a year, I saw it affect my wife. Right. To the point that the, the percentage of things that came out of her mouth that were negative about her job or about people that she worked with was just going up. And that was just not who she was. Right. And it, but it crept up until she felt like she was in this horribly toxic uh, job. And I said to her, what happened? Like, this, what, you know, what is going on? And, and, you know, and every time you come home and we talk about your day, it's just this laundry list of, of negative things. And they're all fairly minor things, but they're just, negative and it's again and again mm -hmm. and we talked about it and 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 i'm glad that she sort of heard that um and her conclusion was that she was like i'm surround you know i i'm spending time with people who are living in this space and it really is seeping into my into my thoughts and mentality and she distanced herself from this person and her perspective on her job became a lot healthier Changed. 
Yeah. Yeah. And and my wife is a, is a very smart woman and very self-aware. And it, ha- you know, and it totally happened to her. And it's just, yeah. you know, work environment and you're with this person. Like I said, they, they are funny. They make you laugh. But it's always this sort of cynical humor. Mm-hmm. And, it, you know, this stuff should not be blown off because you have got to be careful about what you put into your mind. Like the things that go into your brain, they affect you. And we're seeing more and more of this research with um, with social media stuff, yeah. with, with modern media, with the outrage-driven media, attention-seeking media. If you take someone and you just batter them with consistent messaging, even if they know that these are falsehoods or these are inaccurate messages, over time, those messages affect them. Yeah. And they become more accepting and they start to believe just from being beaten with this messaging. And the same thing is true for you and it's true for me. If I spend my day in the vet clinic just getting hammered all day long about how stupid the clients are or how um, people, how bad the pets are or how crap the pay is or whatever, it's going to affect me just to be standing there in the fire hose of this messaging day after day after day and so we have got to protect ourselves from the messaging that we take in and again that doesn't mean lying to yourself it's just being honest about what is productive to put into my head and and i think that this is where i really want to validate and praise our writer they're pretty open about the fact that they they have tried Mm -hmm. to not go to this place but they're just getting exhausted and i say yeah you do have a real problem and it's not just how you're looking at the issue this is this is something systemic in your practice that needs to be fixed yeah well and it's it's funny because um you know over the time we've been doing the podcast we've gotten multiple multiple emails about situations like this in in the sense that the person who is experiencing it and who is writing is unfortunately not necessarily the person with the power to change the situation. (laughs) And that's always the hard part because, um, you know, when you think about a situation like this and you think about, okay, if I am working in a team environment and someone is behaving badly or acting in a way that impacts the rest of the team, it's the it's the coach's responsibility, right? It's the leader's responsibility to handle that situation. And so, um, you know, this um, new grad is in the position where they are trying to affect change on their local level and deal with it themselves, which is phenomenal because a lot mm-hmm. for a lot of people now, they bypass the step of dealing with things themselves entirely. And that was one of the biggest challenges for me as a manager was people would never even try and deal with it themselves. They would just dump it in my lap and be like, well, you're the boss, you deal with this. And so I really, I agree with you. I applaud this new grad for trying um, some things themselves. And at the same time, that is the hard part about this situation is it's not their job to deal with it. And so at some point they're going to have to get help um, and get some buy-in going up the ladder to to really truly address the the situation. This is a fascinating podcast of for like if we if we were addressing it as a practice manager or a medical director, you know what I mean? And you said, I have this associate vet and this is what they're doing. And I would say, aha, here's how we're going to coach this person. Here's how right. we're going to manage this person. Here's how we're going to guide this behavior. And and that is super fun and super interesting. 
that's not what we're doing. And what we're right. doing is super interesting as well. It's just very different, yeah. you know? And so I'm going to resist the urge to say, well, if you're, if you're the boss, then you do blank. Cause that, right. that is, that is different. We have to be realistic about our position. And so that's, that's one of the big headspace things for me, right? When I talk about goal setting, especially with associate vets, um, I, I really hammer on this. What is attainable for you? And I, I tell you this, and it comes from, I can show you a lot of scars because I'm a big idea person and I want things to be better and I want to help and I want to change things and I want to grow and do all of these things. Right. But as an associate vet myself over the years, um, I, I don't have the power to make those things happen, right? Mm -hmm. like, it's not my job to police the other associates and it's, and it's negative consequences for me if I do. <laughs> it's not my job to set practice protocols. Right. You know, and I can I can advocate for them. I can discuss them with management. I can try to put them into people's minds and, you know, and sort of influence some of the decisions our practice makes. But if I decide I'm going to fix this problem that I don't have the power to fix, I think we all know where that goes. And mm -hmm. we've all seen that in, in life and what that means. And that that's sure. a road to frustration. And so for my associates, I always say, you know, pick goals that are attainable. Can yeah. you, what is realistic given your position in the, uh, in the, in the hospital? And one of the skills that I think is radically important for support staff and for associate vets is the not my circus, not my monkey skill, <laughs> you know? And yes. there have been times I have coached people and said, this is just a job. Yep. And it's, and again, there's nuance here and there's balance here because it is, I want to be engaged with my work. And I want to feel ownership of where I work. But if there's a challenge and I have gone through the steps and I have said, hey, guys, this is how I'm feeling and this is what's going on. Um, at some point, I have to say, it's not my clinic, you know, yeah. and, and I don't have the power to, to discipline this person. I have said the things that I can say. And so I think making peace with that is really important. The more sort of nuanced way to say it is the Buddhists say, be... Um, in the world, not of the world, meaning I am here, I am in this world, but I am not of this place, meaning I am not defined by it. Right. And so, uh, you know, as, as the associate, that it helps me to say, this is where I work and I like it here and I'm going to make it better, but I am not of this place. I am not defined by it. And that's critically important for me because I don't have the power to change the place that I work very much. You know, again, yeah. fortunate to work in a great place, but, um, but no matter how great the place is, there's still always things that you're like, I would do this differently. That's 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 just important not to get sucked up into that, I don't know, into the disappointment of not being able to fix things that are out of your control. Acceptance really is your friend. Yeah. I wanna I wanna put um a pin in that because my thoughts about not my circus, not my monkeys come at the end of action steps for me. Because <laughs> I think sure. that I, I think that's super important part of the headspace and also potentially the action steps for how do we deal with this clinic environment. Do, um, do you want to take a break and then we will hop back in and talk about, okay, if it's, if it's not your job, how do you, how do you deal with it? Yeah, let's do it. Hey guys, 
It's Stephanie, and I just have to break in here for one second to make sure that you know about an upcoming workshop that if you are focused on the team, if you are focused on customer service and good cultural foundation for your practice, you are not going to want to miss. And that is a workshop that our dear friend, Dr. Marianne Vandalindi is going to be putting on for Uncharted. It is on Wednesday, September 22nd. It's an evening workshop from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern time. And uh, Dr. Vandalindi is going to be doing a workshop called Team Power adding value to your visits. And she is going to explore the idea that veterinary medicine is very much a team sport. And then our team adds exponential value to our exam rooms and to our care visits. She's got some case studies to look at a clinic in crisis and learn how to build a core foundation for your team that is built on core values that are then going to lead and link to key behaviors and traits that you can promote and grow in your team. So if this sounds like something you would love to get in on, head on over to the website at unchartedvet.com forward slash upcoming dash events. And you can find the registration information for Dr. Vandal Lindy's workshop, as well as all of the upcoming events for Uncharted. Now back to our regularly scheduled broadcast. All right. Well, let's talk about some action steps. So we are uh, an associate vet. We are dealing with a very negative other associate vet. We have tried to gently let this person know that we're not on board with being negative all the time or that uh, while they seem wildly unhappy, that's not been our experience. Um, We think that this person is probably struggling with some burnout as opposed to having real problems uh, with the practice necessarily or having a practice that warrants that level of criticism. Uh, So yes, that's kind of where we are. Let's start breaking down what we actually do. Okay. I want to start with step number one. And this actually um, probably won't apply to our new grad here because from from their email, it sounds like they have already tackled this. But um, step number one for me is making sure that the other person feels heard. And that seems really, really simple. But um, I'll tell you that sometimes people repeat themselves and especially negative things over and over because they don't feel like they actually were listened to Mm -hmm. or or heard. And so um, my kid does this and it drives me crazy. Um, But he struggles um, sometimes uh, with feeling like uh, the adults in his life are actually listening to what he says. Mm-hmm. And um, so he will repeat himself over and over. And it drives his dad in particular nuts. <laughs> and he will be like, Jackson, you've said that four times, you know, because you just hit that limit of like, you've j- you've literally told me the same thing four times. Stop repeating yourself. But for Jackson, he's repeating himself because he maybe he got it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. To him, that is even if he got it four times. That mm-hmm isn't an indication that somebody actually listened to him. He wants you to look at him in the face. He wants you to ask him questions. He wants you to demonstrate active listening. And it's amazing how easy as human beings, especially busy human beings, we can um, go to the default setting of, I'm going to smile and nod at this person because I don't want to deal with what they're telling me or I'm too busy. I do it with my kid. I'm doing something else and he's telling me something and I'm like, "Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm." and then he'll he'll keep repeating himself. And when I find myself getting mad, this is something that I had to work a lot on in in therapy to get to this place. It's like, okay, look, I have to stop what I'm doing and actually give him what he needs, which is the active listening. And it's the same. It's the same with people. Um, 
particularly negative people, they want to make sure that you have heard them. And so um, this is where I would do some serious active listening, ask them questions, ask them to clarify things that you feel like negative are negative, make sure that they really do feel heard. And then when you have actually practiced active listening, it's amazing how much um, power that gives you to decide whether this person actually has legitimate reasons for the negativity because you've actually heard. If you agree with them that this is something that is a problem or should be dealt with, it becomes a lot easier to ask them, hey, do you do you want my help on this? Can we tackle this together um, and try and solve the problem? Whereas if you just mm-hmm, 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 your way through it, they are never going to feel heard and you are not going to have the ability to decide for yourself. Is this actually a legitimate issue or not? Yeah, I, I, I think that that's true. I think we have to start with just just checking in with the person as a real human being and I think that there's three ways that you can respond to negativity when uh, people are are giving it to you. Mm-hmm. Um, the first is validation, and say, "Yep, I, I hear that." Yep, and not encouraging of the conversation, not right. unpacking it. And we know the difference between we. A lot of times we talk about this with gossip. And right. People say, "Well, I can't stop a person from talking to me," and you go, "Well." You know, we we can encourage conversation and, you know, and receive conversation without in, without encouraging it. People are always looking for positive reinforcement. Mm-hmm. You know, like if I come and I talk to you about a thing and you give me nothing positive back, uh, I'm not going to be pushed to keep going. Some people, if they're motivated to talk, will continue to talk. And we've all been trying to get out of an exam room with a right. client and we're giving them every <laughs> every cue that I am I am I've got it I am I am leaving now and they right. are just not seeing it. So that that definitely happens. Uh I can I can validate what this person is experiencing and say yes. Um and just and just be there, right? And so mm-hmm. that, that's I think I think for most of us the first time that we hear complaining that's probably a good play. You know, yeah. uh it it really is. As we go along, I think we've, we've sort of got two options. Uh, the first option is, is one of my favorites, is really sort of leaning into compassion for the person. And so when the person continues to be negative to me, it's me stepping forward and saying, are you okay? You know, I'm, you know, I, I'm hearing, um, you just seem really unhappy recently. And I'm, I'm hearing a lot of that. And I just want to make sure you're doing all right. Is there, I mean, yeah, just, just checking on you. And what that is, is is a cue to the person of, hey, your behavior is changing. I'm noticing things that make me concerned with you. It's a very soft way of kind of bringing it back around. And so what I'm doing is I'm moving the conversation from here's the thing you're complaining about to let's talk about you and the fact that you're complaining a lot. Yeah. And, and I can do this as a peer and I do it very soft and I'm not trying to coach this person or anything. I'm honestly saying, hey, I'm, I'm noticing this. It, if are you are you burning out? on me um you know and 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 just trying to evolve the conversation to that point to a place of uh what do you what do you what do you need and if i right. can just get the person to say yes i am burning out then we can we can go forward in, in a different way and so i can definitely come with compassion a lot of times they'll say no no i'm i'm, I'm fine and i'll go okay um and, and i can i can still go back to that later on if i need to so that's sort of evolving the conversation in a compassionate way and the last thing i can do besides validating and then sort of uh, going in with some concern is I can try to evolve the conversation from negativity to productivity. 
hmm. and being like, uh, you know, we talk about, you know, why, why I'm unhappy, why things are bad, why this practice is sucky now. And then evolving the conversation just changes it to what, 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 what are we going to do about it? Yeah. What, what can I do to help? Things like that. And people who just want to complain do not like questions like, what can I do to help? Yep. Because they don't have anything. Um, and so that's, again, it's just a subtle way to sort of handle that negativity. But so those are the sort of the three paths that I that I tend to see that can be effective. And again, I think for people who've really been through this and have really worked with a negative person, you know that these these tools can can wear out uh, if the person is bound and determined to be negative. But at least it's a good opening starting place. I feel like our new grad is definitely past these things, but mm-hmm. I, I feel like we have to start with them. Yeah, no, I I totally um, I totally agree with uh with those and i think i think the the one thing that i would say is um i i definitely think your point about are you okay how's you know you 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 seem you seem like you're struggling you seem more um you know that that statement doesn't seem like you things to call attention to the behaviors and the what they're doing um specifically to get them to see what is going on is great. And it's one that in the veterinary field in particular, I see backfire a lot because mm. we are a very empathetic lot. <laughs> and um, it's it's very easy to get entangled in each other's personal lives in that way. And so for me, it's a fine line of hearing them and and getting them to talk and then um, knowing when it's not your job to be a professional counselor. <laughs> it's not your job to be a therapist. Yeah. It's not um, it's not your job to help them manage that. And so so the, the caveat that I would give to that is get them talking and then and then help. it's like getting getting them help for any other issue. Um, it's about recognizing the behavior. And this is where moving up the ladder and involving your manager and or saying, you know, that you seem very, very sad or very, um, you know, it seems like this is weighing heavily on you. Have you talked to someone else, you know, getting them the resource um, that they need? And this is where I love an EAP for a clinic because the referral for an EAP as a resource absolutely does not have to come for a manager from a manager. This is a great tool for the team to be able to use to say, hey, it seems like you're, you could use some help. Have you talked to to someone? And that's the great part about an EAP, an employee assistance program, is that it is designed to be able to have anybody who has it as a benefit reach out and get all kinds of help. Um, and so that is a great tool for um, the team in the middle because, again, it's not your job. You aren't the professional. It's also not the manager's job. And I have said that before on the podcast, like, as a manager, a lot of the times you get drawn into that role of therapist or counselor, and that's not your job. But yeah. referring them to a professional whose job it can be is a great, great step in the right direction. Yeah. Over empathy is a problem in a yeah. lot of ways in our profession. Yeah. And it, it often plays into this where you have someone who's just negative. And the response that I hear from the vets or from the technicians are, well, I want to be a good friend. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And my thought is, 
it's not your job to yeah. be a, a good a, a good friend. And again, I, I don't know, maybe I'm a heartless person, but I'm also sort of like, when I get to the point where I'm being negatively affected by this behavior, um, I I don't know, I, I, at some point you've, you've validated, you've been nice, you know, you've, you've shown compassion. And at some point, um, we need to start setting some boundaries and talking about what are, what are we going to do about this? Yeah, well, and because and people go, but 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 they just need to talk, and it's like, well, then they need to they need to engage with someone who is compensated to talk with them, yes. or you know, or who 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 wants to do this, or who is in a better headspace than me because I'm starting to be negatively affected by this, so I've I'm tapping out on this, and I don't think that that's bad, and I think everyone should be more comfortable with it, and that that sort of brings me to sort of step two for me, which is get comfortable in limiting your exposure to this person if this mm -hmm. behavior doesn't stop or slow down. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a great boundary to have. And I, I would agree the the reducing your exposure to them is is on my list here as well. Um, and what I was going to say is, isn't being a good friend someone who is honest and kind? And mm -hmm. is it honest and kind to... To continue to ignore a problem that is very obvious. I don't think so. And that's part of why I said this is the typical dysfunctional family dynamic. And it is, tr it is true. If you are not seeing any change in this person and you have tried, as it sounds like our new grad has, at some point, I think the fair and honest and kind thing to say is, I feel like you need help that I can't give you, or I feel like you need more time to talk than I can give you. Have you tried X, Y, or Z and offering suggestions to get them to, to reduce your exposure and put up that boundary wall? Because I think that that's, that's important, you know, for all of the reasons <laughs> that this new grad gave getting yelled at, getting snapped at, getting um, the, <laughs> the monster rearing its ugly head. Those mm -hmm. all make perfect sense for me as reasons why you would want to limit your exposure to someone like this. Yeah, no, I agree with that. You know, the, yeah, I, I think, I think a lot of times with the, sort of the empathy problem here is you have this associate vet and they, they see this other vet being mean to the staff and they feel mm -hmm. like I should try to shield these people. Yes. And so when this person gets mad, um, it negatively affects me because I, I see my staff being mistreated and that's, and that's not okay. Uh, they, they get uh, they get frustrated because they say the staff is coming to me with issues because they don't want to go to the other doctor who's going to get mad or right. yell. And now I'm getting all this crap dumped on me yep. because uh, this other. And it's, it's really a crappy technique that some doctors use where it's like, don't come and tell me something I don't want to hear because I'm going to pitch a fit. And all that does is get the staff to go to the nice doctors. Right. Yep. and get them to deal with the with the bs yep. and it is really a selfish mentality that people have and so um it said it, it goes back to it's 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 not this is not this is not okay um and we have we have to keep that in mind when we talk about supporting the person so it's it's a balance of i do want what's best for this person and i do want them to feel heard and i'm going to treat them with compassion and at the same time i'm going to uh this is this is not an acceptable place for us as a team to be so reducing reducing exposure to the person um for a lot of people that's really just the answer is i i need to mark in my mind that this is the behavior of this person and i'm going to take my lunch and go somewhere else as mm -hmm. opposed to eating in the doctor's office yep and i'm just not going to be there 
and I'm going to take a break when they're not taking a break or I, you know, or I'm just not going to hang out in the doctor's office between cases. I'm going to type up my notes in the hallway. Yep. And it can be subtle changes like that, but it's, it's just saying, I don't, I don't, I'm going to make changes um, to my schedule and, the, and where I am just so this person doesn't get 10 minutes of my time to yep. just tell me all the crap that's going on with them. The other way that you can reduce exposure that a lot of people don't think about is increasing the number of people involved. A lot of people who are being negative don't want to be negative in front of more than one person. They want to privately right. tell you about what they're what they're disappointed in or what they're upset about or whatever. Yes. And so what I found is is uh, sticking with one of the support staff just to have one of my techs with me. Um, that tends to head off a lot of these conversations. And so again, if I'm not in the doctor's office, if I'm out on the floor, if I'm you know talking to my technicians at lunch, things like that. I tend to get a lot less of negativity from those negative people. And again, it's a small thing, but um, but it really does make changes. You know, you can cut down the amount of negativity you're receiving by 50% in a day just by paying attention to when it and where it happens and changing up sort of your personal schedule and where you go. And some people will say, well, that's not fair. And I go, it's not fair. It's not fair that you mm-hmm. are in this situation and the mm-hmm. management's not ha- handling it. Given that it's not fair, what are we going to do to keep you right. feeling good about your job? Right. Yeah. I think the other half of that boundary, um, the boundary setting for me goes back to something you said earlier when you were talking about, um, you know, when when people gossip, it's really easy to get drawn into that. One Mm -hmm. of the fundamental challenges that I see in practices um, when it comes to communication is the ability to um, actually deal with the issue and to say, I don't want to participate in this conversation. People feel like their only choice when there's gossip happening or their negativity is is to listen. And and people feel like they can't say, why are we having this conversation? But, but this is where leaning into the blunts and being honest about, I want to have a good day at work. I want to be positive. I don't want to participate in a conversation that is this negative if you have done the prior work to, um, as it sounds like this this new grad has, to make them feel heard, to listen, it is absolutely okay. And I would argue needed to set your boundaries and to be honest and clear about what is happening. If people are gossiping, call it gossip. If people are being mm-hmm. negative, say, I am really struggling <laughs> with feeling negative when we have conversations like this. I want my time here at work to be positive. I I need to walk away from this conversation or I'm going to go and I'm going to put my headphones in and I'm going to write up my chart notes right now because I this is this is bothering me. Being honest here in a very blunt way, it for me is the other part of the boundary setting. It's not avoiding calling the spade a spade and and saying I am not going to engage in this behavior. Yeah. Um, people ask me, what do you do when you're at a holiday party or you're, you know, out, say, at church or some other social gathering that you go to and people hit you up for medical advice? And I know that that frustrates a lot of yes. a lot of us. Yes. And so my my thing is always when people ask me for medical advice, I give them the advice that I would give if they called on the phone. You know what I mean? 
And they call in and say, well, what do you do when this happens? And you say, well, we need to take a look at them. And yep. so I, for me, when people ask me for medical advice, I say, this is essentially someone calling me on the phone because I don't, they're best not here. I don't have access to them. Right. Uh, you know, I tell my staff, this is what I, what we would say. And so why wouldn't I say it? So that, so I just say, I tell them what I would say on the phone, which is, why don't you make an appointment and come on in yeah. and we'll have a look or, or bring, bring them by on, on Monday and we'll, we'll, we'll get them fit in and, and I'll take a look. And people say, but Andy, isn't that a little bit rude when the person is just asking you for your help? And I go, you know what? It might no. be, but it's <laughs> but it's no more rude than asking me at a social gathering to do my job. Right. You know what I mean? And to do or, it for free. <laughs> and to do it for free. Yeah. It's no more rude than cornering me coming out of church and saying, hey, I got this thing. Right. Would you give your free time to do it? I mean, I'm not trying to be negative on the pet owners, but to me, I justify some of those conversations saying, if you put me in a rude spot and I give you a direct answer, I'm not going to feel bad about it because I we wouldn't be having this conversation if you hadn't put me in this place. Yeah. And so I tell that story because, number one, it's good for people to hear that it's fine just to say, you should come by the clinic and let's have a look. Um, but number two, because in this case where we have this sort of negativity behaviors and stuff, and I'm going to be fairly direct and say, look, I just, I can't. I can't be be negative all the time. You yeah. know what I mean? Like I'm 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 I need to I need to get and stay in a good headspace. And so that's what I'm going to do. Yeah. Um, that might be seen by that person as a being a bit rude. I don't care because yeah. coming and just venting negativity at me all day is is also rude. And so right. I'm just going to I'm going to give you a boundary um, because I because I need to. And it's it's the same thing. I sort of with, with the advice. So anyway, that that helps me as someone who is a people pleaser, as someone who really likes to make people happy. I'm not a confrontational person at all. Mm -hmm. And so I really have to have a mental justification for what I say and how I say it. And to me, that is a big one is I have tried all of these things. I don't have the bandwidth for this anymore. And you're putting me in a, in a hard spot, which means I'm going to give you a direct answer because I'm feeling uh, I'm feeling pushed. Yeah. And I think the last big chunk for me that goes with being put in a hard spot has to do with the team. I think a lot of times when people are um, negative Nancy's or, or Chicken Little where the sky is always falling, right? Um, a lot of times people who have that personality don't recognize how negative it can be and how it's impacting others. And so the other thing that I would ask this new grad is I'm sure based on what they shared with us that this doctor is behaving this way, that the yelling and the swearing that it's happening to the team too. And so um, I think one of the last things that I would say is making sure that you're you're giving them some honest feedback and in the moment, like if you just see them terrorize the technicians in the treatment room, pulling them aside and being able to say, hey, I that that really bothered me when you yell or when you swear in front of the team it affects them. And here's what I just saw. Like when that happened, here's what I saw on their faces. Here's what I saw in their body language, pointing out the things that that, that person might not be able to see on their own um, and, and asking them for a solution. So asking, can you please stop swearing in front of them? Can you, can you please try not to raise the volume of your voice to that level because it really does impact the team if you are giving that in the moment corrective feedback it can it 
it could, they could blow you off. They could blow it out of proportion. There could be a bunch of different responses to it, but it also could be what they need to hear because they may not recognize what they're doing in the moment. Mm -hmm. If they still don't change it, that's a whole other problem. But giving feedback like that and pointing out the obvious is a part of the solution for me. Yeah. I want to talk a little bit about what to say. And then I want to talk about about um, the math that goes into why to say it. Uh, because there are sometimes that I would, anyway, there, there are sometimes it's hard for me to open my mouth and say something to their doctor. And so I want to break down that math because I think it's very real and everybody needs to look at it. So first, mm-hmm. first things first, right? I'm not, I'm not this person's boss. They are swearing. They're not throwing things and they're not even swearing at the staff, but they are raising their voice and they're swearing mm-hmm. because they're upset about something. Um, generally, since I'm not their boss, I'm not going to call them into the office. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, I'm, I'm not, I don't want to publicly shame them necessarily. Right. Uh, I'd like to have this conversation privately, but I do want to have it as soon as possible. And, you know, as they're calling, I would say, Hey, listen, when you, when you start dropping F-bombs in the treatment room, it terrorizes the staff. I mm-hmm. mean, you ruin people's day when you do that. And I just want to make sure you know that, um, it's, it's a big deal for right. a lot of people when that happens. And I would start with that. And that's all I'm going to say. And you go, but you should tell him that, you know, it's morally wrong. It's like, nope. I, I told him, hey, you should realize the impact you're having when that happens. Yeah. And honestly, you know, the the way that I approach a lot of these conversations, you know, I use the I use the analogy of of the Moses and the plagues from the Bible. You don't you don't start with the with the tenth plague, you know the the leveling of the city. Uh, you start with the first plague, and then you work up. And the first plague is just, hey, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna tell you because maybe you don't realize, right, um, dude? You're gonna you make people cry when you do that, and I don't know if that's what you want, but that's what happens. Yeah. And I think if one of my coworkers said that to me about one of my behaviors, that would a hundred percent be enough to make me probably never do it again. Yeah. Like I would probably like that would. That's not what I want. Uh, right. and, and I think getting that feedback would hit me like a hammer. And you don't you don't need to do more than that. If I'm doing something that's making the text cry, please, God, tell me and, and help me understand that that's that that's happening, because I, mm-hmm. I, cl- I clearly don't know or I wouldn't do it. Um, so so just just I call it the mention. It's just, hey, I just need to tell you this real quick. And I'm just going to tell you, and I'm not going to argue with you. And I'm not. This is not a debate. And this is not, you know, a, a coaching session. But I, I, it's not OK. And I'm just going to tell you that it's not OK. And then that's it. And I stick myself out there and I, and I just say it. Mm-hmm. And so I think a lot of times people think there needs to be this dramatic thing and we need to come together and you need to be the private, <laughs> you know, this private location. Right. I'm not going to do this in front of the staff. Um, I, I want this to be a private conversation, but it can just be in the hallway. Um, and it's just going to be a short one. I'm just going to say, hey, you need to know this. And then I'm going to say it. It's hard to do. Yeah. And for a lot of us, it's, re- it's really terrifying. And so I want to I I validate people who have not had that conversation and say... Um, I get it. You know what I mean? And it, especially as a new grad, it is scary to, to say that to mm. this established doctor who's been there. It is scary. And there's really two, there's really two paths that I think get people into a place where you can do this. And so if you're not on either of these paths, then I want to, I just want you to forgive yourself. I want you to hear it from me. Like, Hey, it's, it's okay. You know, like it's not your circus and it's not your monkeys yeah. and you shouldn't have to be the one having this conversation. But sometimes, uh, sometimes it comes down to us. Okay. So, so the two things is this. Number one is, is when you are a confident and stable doctor yourself. Mm-hmm. I know that the staff likes me and that they support me. And I know that I'm not going anywhere. 
And so I'm going to say to you, hey, that's this is this is not okay when this happens, right? And yeah. it is me knowing that I am entrenched and I have job security and I feel, you know, I I have friends. And so I'm going to be the one who stands up and says, no, nah, look, we're going to talk about this. Yeah. And it's not my job and I'm not your boss, but I'm going to talk to you um, because I feel that comfort level. Sure. And the other one is when you reach a point where you are not going to take it anymore. <laughs> and that is okay. It really yeah. is. Yeah. And it's sort of like, look, if if I'm at the point where I'm going to quit this damn job. Right. If I have things zero like things this keep left happening, to give. <laughs> yeah. Then I don't, yeah, I don't have anything. Le- I don't have one left to give. You know, what's going to happen? Like, I'm going to I'm going to quit, yeah. mm-hmm. which means there's no downside for me just saying this mm-hmm. is not happening anymore. Like, yeah. this is not OK. Yeah. And those are really the two the two times that that I find that I can that I can say that. Yeah. Um, if you are not in either of those positions, if you're the brand new vet and you're you know, you're you're on pins and needles or you're on eggshells or you don't feel like you have job stability or you don't feel like you are trusted by the staff or you know you you're not sure what what their experience is because you're new or things like that i i wouldn't hold it against you if you didn't say anything um and so i i think that's important to say but um but i do feel like that if you're established and you're confident in your position or if you just don't have one left to give then then I think that that there's no reason not to step up and say to the person, I'm not your boss, but I'm going to tell you something. Well, and I think the third path um, for me is about is about what you mentioned, which is there's we always have a choice. Right. And we can choose yep. which we can choose. We can pick our poison. We can choose how we're going to mm-hmm. suffer. And so for me, there's a third path. And that third path probably is the path for this new grad because they probably don't feel like the tenure doctor who can tell this associate off and they may not be at a place where they're ready to quit yet because they like the team, they like the hospital, mm-hmm. they like the clients. So for me, that third path is recognizing that it's not your job. There is someone above you, whether it's a practice owner or practice manager or combination of the two, medical director, whatever the structure is in the clinic, there is someone above you whose job it is <laughs> to deal with this situation. And so this is where for me, I am one of, I am just like Andy, I'm a people pleaser. I could never feel like I walked away from a situation without giving it my all. And so for me, it would be, look, I have to say something. And so, um, I know my personal experience, that was, that was the position I was in, um, where I got sucked into this negativity and I recognized like I might be heading down the path where I would want to walk away from this. I would want to quit, but I feel like I haven't given it my all. And so after I talked to the person directly and I felt like the behavior didn't change and I was still really, really frustrated, I asked for help. And so I went to, to, um, a manager and, um, and had a conversation with HR about, Hey, this is what I'm struggling with. I need, I need help with this because this is not my job. And I feel like this is actually preventing me from doing my job well. And so I need help. And so for our new grad, that would be the third path that I would encourage them to explore if they haven't yet, which is it's not your job to deal with this. Whoever's job it is needs to be aware of the problem. And then if they choose to ignore the problem, which is very common, in veterinary medicine, mm-hmm. or they hope that it's just going to get better on its own, or they try and talk to the person, but then they let it slide, you know, after a little bit of time. If you have tried and you have been an active participant in trying to engage management to do their jobs and they are not not helping you, then for me, 
it makes me feel much more confident about setting myself down the path of I have a choice and I get to pick my poison and I can stay here and I can deal with this because I love every other aspect of Mm -hmm. my job. And we have had people we have you and I both have seen people make that choice Um, Mm -hmm. or I can choose. I don't want to live like this. And so I am going, despite the pain it's going to cause to separate from the good of this job, I'm going to choose to move forward in a different um, direction because I don't, I don't want to live like this. Yeah. We, we, as grownups, we all have people that we would prefer that we didn't work with. Sure. You know what I mean? Like that's, that's, I mean, we all have people that, you know, they're just not our cup of tea. They have their own friends and people like them and they're not bad people. It's just for whatever reason, they're just not our people mm-hmm. um and you know we suck it up and we go to work and you know no one has the perfect perfect job yeah. and that's it but there is the point where you say i the the negatives of being here outweigh the positives i'm going yeah. to leave mm-hmm. and, and i guess this is the I'm, i can't resist so i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna say something to, to the managers and owners here because <laughs> i just can't not say this at all um if you don't address problems like this and this new grad who otherwise likes their job slowly burns down to the point they go, I just, I can't be here anymore. Uh-huh. And then you lose someone who would have been engaged and happy and so that you can keep this negative person. That's a bad choice. Yes. That you made. <laughs> um, and, 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 you know, when I say pick your poison and I say, well, you know, they say, well, but, but this person's a good doctor and they've just got, it doesn't happen a lot, but they have these negative things. And I go, well, pick your poison. You know, mm-hmm. do you want to not do anything and let this behavior keep going and then deal with the fallout, which might be your other vet leaving? Right. Or do you want to have an uncomfortable conversation with this person now? and see what they want to do because you can't control them and yeah. you know might they leave yeah they they might they might leave but if if your talk to them about being negative sends them to leaving um i'm not i'm not sure that you know they keeping were meant them to as an stay. option anyway yeah, yeah exactly. exactly yeah no so i anyway. i agree with i agree with that 100 cool. percent. well that's what i got thanks for talking this through with me yeah this is a good one i hope that it helped. I hope our, our new grad maybe picked up some some tips and tricks. And I think for them, it's probably going to be about the latter, the, about the latter steps that we talked about. But I think that for a lot of people who are listening, who are like, "Ooh, I have that person in my clinic," um, it some of it starts with the very beginning. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so. My 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 last words to the to our to our writer was: remember that clear is kind. And, um, you know, that that can be to the negative person. But honestly, that that should be to practice leadership yeah. is you being clear and saying, I'm being negative affected by this. Yeah, I really like this job, but this is this is bothering me and it's affecting the way that I feel about things. Yeah. And if you communicate that clearly to practice leadership and they don't do anything, then ultimately, I feel like you have done what uh, you were responsible to do. I think that you've been a good citizen and uh, and. And yeah, and you shouldn't feel guilty about whatever decision you make that's best yep. for you going forward. Agreed. All right, team. Have a great week, guys. See you guys. Well, guys, that's a wrap on another episode of the podcast. As always, thank you for spending your part of your week with us. Andy and I enjoy spending part of our week with you. And I have a favor to ask. If you guys enjoyed this week's podcast, will you take two seconds and do two things for me? Will you go to wherever you source your podcast from and leave us a review if you haven't already? And if you have, thank you so much for taking the time. We really do appreciate it. We love the feedback from you. 
and it helps us spread the word about the podcast. And number two would be to hit the subscribe button while you're there because subscribing the podcast ensures that you get the episodes straight to your device as soon as they're available. Those two things will help do a lot for us to spread the word about the podcast and we appreciate your help with both of them. Thank you so much for listening this week, you guys. Take care and have a fantastic week. We'll see you again soon.